Here's Neymar now, Cavani is there. And Saint-Etienne has surely won it in the 89th minute. Kalou for Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tobac. Kylian Mbappé wraps it up. Hello and welcome along to the latest edition of Le Bourgeois. Coming up, Dembele and Awa get the goals as Leon warm up for the old lady by beating Mets. Claude Puel bravely picks a fight with Stefan Ruffier. It's 200 up for Cavani, but PSG lose Thiago Silva to injury and Neymar to a red card. And Nantes bring Marseille's unbeaten run to an end. Now, I'm delighted to be, uh, to be back in the Bourgeois hot seat thank you very much to david crossan for for filling in so so well in the in in the presenter's it's a pleasure, seat Matt. good to have you back but i know dave you're, you're probably happy to be in the in the pundit seat now so you yeah can... just happy to take a back seat let you do the work <laughs> well thank you very much uh, david crossan is with us armel tangi is with us rumors rumors that he took in a game of rugby was it yesterday or the day before he's a secret closet wales fan um, not particularly closet but yeah i was at i was in cardiff this weekend um doing everything I can to watch Ligue 1 from afar. I'm sure. I'm sure you were. Well, you saw a, a France victory, so you're sort of doing your bit for, for Le Beaujeu. And, uh, and Robbie Thompson, we're in his delightful uh, abode once again here in Paris. Good morning, everyone. Pleasure to be back as well. Actually, we're not in Paris, are we? It's, it's just Boulog- outside. Yeah, Boulogne, just outside. Biancourt. The other side of what's called the, the Ring Road. Mm. Yeah, for those you're that are on... not a European or, or English, a Ring Road is the one that basically keeps everyone out. It's the periphery. <laughs> you are on the wrong side of the periphery, but but rent and uh, prices are much cheaper. So I understand that. Let's let's <laughs> let's move on to the onto the football, and we're going to start with uh, with a game that Robbie commentated on uh, on Friday night. It was the first game of the round: Mets versus Leon. Let's hear the action. The referee might like to have a look at this uh, appeals for handball. There's the control by Udol. It's a penalty. Dembele has missed penalties this season already. There's no Memphis Depay, so it's Maxwell Corney who's going to take. On his left foot. And Kidger must have come about two metres off his line there. And now we're in the eighth minute of stoppage time this first half and it's Moussa Dembele this time, a right foot to take Dembele and he scores it's Gagba who's going to take it, a roar from the home fans Ukidja coming flying up the field to get involved and it's poor and now Usemawa is surely going to run away and score the second goal and settle this one in Leon's favour. Mets nil, Leon two. Robbie, it was an important victory for Leon. Um, it wasn't necessarily a flamboyant or even a, a convincing performance, but that penalty by by Dembele and then the goal from Awa at the end, uh, giving Leon a bit of serenity, a little bit of confidence, perhaps before before Juventus. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think they'll be trying to turn it that way, um, to, to turn it into a confidence booster. It wasn't the most convincing of performances, but, you know, they, they needed something to go their way as well. They've been doing it a little bit tough uh, the last few weeks. So 
Mess were, were disappointing at home. I was expecting a, a little bit more. There's a little bit of history between the two sides over the last few seasons as well with the, the firecracker incident with Anthony Lopez. And, yeah, they and don't normally... like each other, do they? No, exactly. So, yeah. Maxwell Corne as well. As well, yeah. So... And, there were, and there were some barbed comments because we had this penalty incident. I think we need to talk about it because... It, Should we it... go through the events of the match? Well, Please. just quickly. <laughs> go on okay. then. <laughs> for, for our mill's sake. <laughs> Okay, so a, a fairly even start. Both sides struggling to create chances. Leon probably just about edging it, but only just. Um, Mess were without three of their, their regular midfielders through suspension as well. They'd had a couple of red cards the last few weeks, so confidence wasn't sky high there. And, and when you change all your midfielders, you know that things aren't going to be easy, particularly at the start of a match. They were doing okay, and then there was this handball. A corner played into the back post. Udol was contesting with Denier. The two collided in the air and Udol, without looking at the ball, basically it hit his right arm and dropped at his feet and was then cleared. Um, so, you know, un- completely unintentional, but probably a defender handling and controlling just about given a red and card. Referee, and I think what and, and the referee it, didn't give a penalty Didn't away. see it. Didn't, didn't see, see it. it. No, no, hardly anyone saw it. Just Denier and Marcelo. And I think Marcelo's presence, he was just a bit further along at the back post. And I probably think he thought he was going to get the ball if it wasn't stopped by the hand. And I think his presence there probably tipped it in, in Leon's favour that you have to give a penalty there because it could have been it could have ended up in a goal at any rate. So the penalty was taken. Um, five, five and a half minutes later, the penalty was taken. Exactly. It because, took well, an age, but, didn't it? And this is, this is well, mini coup de girl. Yeah, because I've, so I've got a serious coup de girl. Okay, so a, a mini one, which is, and it's probably, I think it's affecting everyone, but commentators as well, and, and definitely fans inside the stadium. The referees stand there for two and a half minutes, just listening to people talk in their ears, and then say, go and have a look at it on the screen for yourself. Just go and have a look straight away. The, the video assistant referee people are there to say, look, Didn't they there's been a handball. I, th- I thought last season in, in Ligue 1, if the referee wanted to have another look straight away, yeah. he'd go and have a look. Yeah, and that should mm. be the case now because no, we're wasting all There's a long way time. to go with, with VAR because if you look at the way rugby uses it, the TV viewers and the commentators, they can hear the conversation that's happening between the person looking at the video and the referee and that enhances the understanding of the game for those watching it and understands the decision-making process. So Equally, it's on the big screen. And so it's on the big screen. Everyone in yeah. the stadium can follow the process. So the referee will look at it on the big screen and the, there are some perhaps legitimate reasons why things don't happen like that in football, given the nature of the crowd vis-a-vis rugby. But I know it's got to be more open. The more open the process is, the more people will understand it and the more accepting. Yeah, but if you're going to start showing it on the big screen inside inside grounds, where still so much is up to interpret, Mets fans still probably don't feel that was a penalty. Well, the the players were absolutely furious. Tell us what happened, Robbie. The former Mets player Maxwell Cornet stepped up to take the penalty. He, he stepped up. He does one of those stuttering runs before hitting his, his kicking stride, which is legal, of course. But Alexander Ukidja came flying off his line. By the time Corne actually hit it, um, Ukidja was about two metres off his, off his line, um, closer to the goal, the goal kicker than uh, mm. the penalty taker than, than his goal line. Yeah, obviously, it had and to be saved, retaken. Yeah, they checked saved, to see if there it, were any... Le- and he saved it. And they, they checked to see if any Leon players were making their way in, inside the box to see if it could have stood. It wasn't the case. So, look, penalty had to be retaken. Yellow card for Ukidja. Huge sense of injustice by the, by the Mets players. But, you know, they're struggling and, and they want to use any sort of injustice as well as, as motivation for themselves. So they were feeling hard done by. At halftime, Fabien Santons 
I like that name because yeah. it's like 111. It's like a really <laughs> weird name. Sentence <laughs> said um, that Leon, without penalties, are an average team, and yes. maybe we should get referees from abroad. So that you know, it's a ridiculous comment. I mean, in in, Fran- in France, everybody thinks Olas puts pressure on the referees to give Leon penalties. Um, Here it's Fabian Sentence, but it just yeah. shows. You know the sense of injustice that that, that they had. It, you know, for me, it was a handball. It was a penalty. Yeah, but it was the I fact that so. it took yeah. sort of seven minutes, I think, to eventually get this penalty in the back of the exactly, net. which creates a controversy where there isn't one. Perhaps mm. anyway, Musa Dembele then stepped up because Rudy Garcia screamed her from the sidelines, "Change the taker, change the taker," and so and Dembele. I'll do him good as well because corner. his penalty record isn't the best as, as, as well. Yeah. yeah, well, he missed. Uh, he scored three of four. This season. But he also missed one in the cup as well. So three of five. Ten goals. Ten goals in 13 for Dembele uh, in 2020. He's, he's going into the Juventus tie in, in good form. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But And then, so just to continue, second half of the match, uh, a red card for, for the mess skipper, Habib Diallo, um, for a push on Marcel. Again, look, there's not much you can say about it. He, he, he pushed him with such vigour that it almost twisted Marcel's head off when with, with the left hand onto the onto the face. Um, you can't you can't argue with that. You can't retaliate like that. Marcel was was jockeying in the penalty box um, as Mess were to take a corner, wasn't it? Mm, yes, <laughs> less less fury perhaps. Um, but uh, look, had to be a red card. He'll be banned for a few matches as well. He's their main goal scoring threat for Mess. And when you're struggling against relegation or, or you you're trying to pull away from the relegation zone. They're not the sort of things you want, but when it rains, it pours, and that's how mess are feeling at the moment. What was Bruno Gimaresh like, Rob? I like I him. To, I have to admit, I was at a Liam Gallagher concert on Friday, so I didn't see the full game. Could, so. I, could I just say, Dave, because you've preempted a question that, that we got on Twitter from Dream Sizzlack saying Bruno Gimaresh is worth the hype. Unbelievable signing by Leon. What were your guys' uh, impressions of him on Friday? I was very impressed. 20 million signing so that's you know that's some coin well, to, he, he to went bring to a lot in. of effort to, to bring him over Janino didn't he absolutely yeah and, and what was he was named player of the tournament in a yeah, yeah Olympic, Olympic, Olympic qualification. qualifier yeah. but he, surely he's going to be off again uh, in the next few months then off to to the Olympic Games he's the mm. Brazil captain um, he, he's won things with uh, Atletico Paranense before uh, before making this switch to European football but Farmers League Sometimes, sometimes you do see these Brazilians that come over, and they they can be quality footballers, of course, most of them are. But they do take time mm. to settle. He looked really good. He, he was man he, of the match, wasn't he? Well, he was. It was a, it was a brilliant performance, box to box. He was he was hard in the tackle. He's got a good touch. He looks technically very nice. And do you, Rob, do you see him yeah. starting against Juventus? Leon, and just touching on that, Leon went with this three-four-three formation. They played mm-hmm. Marcelo, Denaya, and and Marcelo's three centre backs. Leo Dubois came came back into the side. Do you think he's going to go, go with that bench? again? I, I I think a three-four-three in the Champions League first leg is a very good idea. What about you, Robbie? It depends on your opposition, obviously, oh. Armel, because, you know, you look to... to there is an opponent. Mm. And like, uh, I think everyone will accept for, for Leon this week that they're, they're up against a very good side, which apparently people refuse to admit uh, but you, for other certain teams in the Champions League. But I'm sure we're going to get to that. We are sneaking to, suspicion. We are going to talk gonna about be, PSG a bit later. It's going to be more of that. If you look at Leon's next 12 games or so, bar a, a, a home game against Nîmes... You must be almost at the end in, of the season. In late April, you are. You've just got <laughs> four games afterwards. But they've, they're playing pretty much only difficult games. It's going to 
well, you know, last season they almost doubled their points tally in the last few months of the campaign to finish in the top places. But they've got a really difficult run here with obviously starting at Juventus in a couple of days' yep. time. Plus the two cup ties against against Paris Saint-Germain. Mm-hmm. Lyon are up to seventh with, with that victory. It is tight at the top, but they do have ground to make up, obviously, on the likes of Lille, Rennes and uh, and Marseille who are in that battle for who they, the Champions League they qualification. they all play over the next 10 games. Well, yes, but I wasn't I wasn't that impressed yet by by Leon by their performance mm. against Metz. Their the, second goal came in in stoppage time at the end of the match when Ukidja had come up for a corner an empty net well goal line as this they time. say in ice hockey. Yeah. yeah. At least he finished it off Alwa who has been their big game player this season mm. when you they need something. Came off the bench though, didn't start. Yeah, he all starts against Juventus, but uh, I was actually I could do but with some help. So I've got to write a piece, five reasons why where do you Leon play can beat Juventus. And I'm not finding many because I was looking at the team that started against Barcelona last year at this stage. And when you look at the player sales and the injuries, um, the squad was much stronger last year. Uh, yeah, I think Matt sat next to well, me for the, the nil-nil at home yeah. to Barcelona. Yeah. Lyon are inconsistent. I still think they can put up a good account of themselves uh, on Wednesday against Juventus. But I can't see them coming through the tie because when you take out the quality of Mendy and Dombele, Depay, I mean, Fakir was suspended for the first leg against Barca last year. But the team, whether they're set up in a 3-4-3 or whether they go with four at the back, it's just not as strong as it was last year. It's not. It's not. And I think they're going to have to play with a degree of caution. But Awa, I mean, Awa can come in to a number of positions. He could. I'm not sure Guimaraes will, uh, will start given that he's mm-hmm. only just come in and made his first appearance. Awa can also play as one of the, as one of the front three. He could play Toko Ekombi right, Dembele through the middle and an hour on the left and, and, you, and densify that midfield. If you want to reason Dave as well, Cyprian Tatarasan, who's a Serie A experience because he obviously came to France after Fiorentina, he might just know how, we, to, how to undo Juventus. You're right. Well, what about Gar- Anderson? Shouldn't he play? <laughs> oh, Rudy Garcia. Two reasons. Two reasons in the space of <laughs> Rudy Garcia's Thanks, knowledge. Rudy Garcia's exactly. knowledge. I'll give you a commission. Should we, should we hear to a man who actually hear from a man who actually knows about Syria? We spoke to uh, Stanislas Tucho, the uh, AFP uh, correspondent in, in Rome, and he gave us his thoughts ahead of the first leg between Lyon and Juventus this Wednesday night. The Juventus team is, is very strong, is very rich. You know, you, there is quality everywhere, but on the on left back and right on right back, it's not that great. Um, left side, you have Alexandro, who is a really good player. Um, but then you've got De Chilio, you've got Danilo, um, Quadrado, which has been um, a temporary solution. It's not the the part of the team where they looks the strongest and. It's probably a weak point. If you look at the at the teams, uh, Juventus is stronger, and they everything is built in this team to win the Champions League. Um, so that that that's why they they went to take Ronaldo. So you you can't say that it's um, that it's even or that it's fifty fifty. Juventus is stronger, but they are not in their best moment. The confidence is not that high, so maybe there is there is something to try, being offensive, being courageous, brave. I think if if Lyon plays conservatively, they will have very few chances. But if they can profit from the, um, the state of form of Juventus that it's that is not that great maybe they can they can try something but 
if you ask me, I, I would say Juventus. Well, interesting to hear Stanislas suggesting there is perhaps um, cause for optimism from, from Leon's point of view, if Leon can get a bit of uh, joy up the flanks. I know Toko Ekombi has made a, a pretty impressive start for Olympique Lyonnais. But uh, to say that you know Juventus aren't that confident, they did labour to a victory at the weekend, but they're top of the league. Um, Leon last week were, were in the bottom half of the league on standing. So there's no question Leon are, are big underdogs. Let's uh, move on to another big, big match coming up next weekend for Lyon. They play Juventus, then they play Saint-Étienne. Now, these are very, very troubled times for the 10-time champions, uh, Saint-Étienne. Uh, we'll get into more detail, but before, let's just listen to Angus Turode, who commentated their latest game, Saint-Étienne, at home against Reims. On around with the ball into the box, and Buenga with the header! scoring in the 73rd minute. Kasama now racing forward, trying to feed it round the back, that's good play, oh! Penalty kick! Six goals this season for Deere and make it seven! And Rans have stolen a draw from under the noses of Saint-Étienne. Well, Saint-Étienne getting a draw, but this was obviously a, a disappointing draw with Boulay Diaz scoring, equalising in the... Uh, in the 94th minute following that penalty, it's actually uh, ended a run of four straight defeats. But one point from uh, 15 uh, available for Claude Puel's team. They are just two points above the drop zone. And uh, one, of the, one of the biggest clubs in French football is in serious difficulty. And the Claude Puel um, era, after a, a promising start, has, has really stalled. Now, Puel during his time at Saint-Étienne, has, has tried to shake things up. He's dropped a number of the experienced players, Loic Perrin, Yann and Villa, Mathieu Debouchy, have all had uh, spells on the bench, but he's gone a step further this weekend. He's dropped Stefan Rouffier, who is uh, uh, a huge fan favourite. He's been Saint-Étienne's goalkeeper since 2011. He is a very, very, uh, let's say, interesting, uh, unusual character. And uh, you don't, you don't, well... In general, you don't dare ruffle Ruffier's feathers. But Puel has done that. His, his performances haven't been great. What do, we, what do we make of this decision? Just to add a little bit of context, because it is creating um, a lot of controversy in Saint-Étienne. Ruffier's agent, um, whose name I noted here, Patrick Glantz, has, uh, has hit out at Claude Puel saying he has spat on a club legend. Well, now, it, it, he's, he's playing with fire, Claude Puel. He definitely is. And if Saint-Étienne have had their troubles over the years, Riffier has always been one of the stalwarts and one of the consistent performers. He's missed 10 games in the league since joining in 2011 prior to this season. And that shows that he is someone that, with Loic Perrin, really identifies with what Saint-Étienne are and is always there to bail them out. I think most of us around this table would agree that even when their team are playing dreadfully, Stefan Riffier is one that you can look to for inspiration is always a bit, a bit less this season I mean he was our reserve I, 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 keeper in the team of the decade wasn't he I yeah think we yeah, can, uh, yeah. I, I haven't seen him make glaring errors but the stats all, all suggest that his form has really dipped this season and Puel is, is seeing that on a daily basis obviously at training as well for me this is a sign that either Claude Puel is almost out of a job and feels that it's just time to try and do whatever it takes mm. and to 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 shock the team back into action or contrary, he on the contrary, he feels that he's got full support of the board 
and that he can he can do this sort of thing with impunity and make a change knowing that that he truly believes it's for the best of the squad that Ruffier has been underperforming and that reputations count for little and it's time to try and turn this ship around. Well, he's on the board, isn't he? He and Xavier Tulio, who he worked with at Lille, and they were brought in because we, we all know the, the structure at Saint-Étienne with the co-presidents, Roland Romier, who's there on a daily basis, and Bernard Cayazzo, who's usually in Paris. And Romier is of an advanced age. I think he liked the idea of Puel coming in and taking on extra responsibility. But it's not working at the moment. Last week, I asked the question, is Puel under pressure? Of course he is. Jesse Moulin did play the first derby game, which was Puel's first game, and they won 1-0. He kept a clean sheet. That was when Ruffier was injured. And he's a good backup goalkeeper, nowhere near in Ruffier's class, mind. Puel Puel was very um, positive. Uh, He he praised Jesse Moulin after his performance uh, against Rance, which, of course, was then interpreted as another dig at at Ruffier. I, I think it's interesting, the point you made, Robbie. I think... Puel has power. I, I don't think they're going to sack him. If things if they get relegated, then this summer he'll probably get sacked. But they look to be planning. And, and just this last week, the, the head of recruitment, David Vantier, was, mm-hmm. was sacked yeah. as well, which is... Uh, which a, is a, more power for Claude Puel, well, in theory. The, we don't know who's coming in yet, but it's going to be, by all accounts, one of Puel's allies. It's going to be a Puel decision. So... You know, the game against Leon is suddenly very, very big. And, it you know, it could turn Sante's season around because Leon they're going to be tired, I imagine, after the Juventus game. And if Sante can get a win, um, then, then you know, they're, they're, they're back on track. And Ruffier's Saint-Étienne career is very much up in the air. This is a goalkeeper who, don't forget, reportedly said he didn't want to be part of the France setup, having mm-hmm. having been the number three goalkeeper. He's not a goalkeeper who likes to be on the sidelines. And interestingly, he wasn't even in the squad at the weekend. So big problems. I, I think he's, he's... I was chatting to a couple of Saint-Étienne people last week when all this blew up. And they were saying he is a bit of a prickly character. <laughs> to, well, it's, it's the perception we have watching, is, watching yeah. their matches the whole time. But apparently he's very solitary. He doesn't have many mates... Right. In the dressing room, not many mates in the in the Saint Etienne squad or around football. He's a family man, but uh, he doesn't. He doesn't. He's not one of those people that that bring together a dressing room that mm. brings together Moulin a football is, squad. But he's a really Jesse popular well, reserve character. keepers always are. But he has about he has about thirty what thirty seven thousand mates in the Stade Rafaguisha every weekend because they love him. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's significant. You know, the Saint Etienne fans are such an important part, part of that football club. And I'm not sure how you can drop your goalkeeper from a Claude Puel point of view when you haven't played with the same back line since the, since pretty much the day he took over at Saint Etienne. And Villa played centre back and gave away the late penalty. I think he'd had quite a good game up until then, by all accounts. That's what I was going to say as well. Everything seems to be going against Puel. He makes a change. You know, it's like Vias Boas this season. Everything he does t- turns to gold. Everything Puel does seems to seems to backfire. And he well, does. well done to Robbie for not yet mentioning Boulay Dia, who, who who's your favourite favourite youngster in Liga. He was last year. He won the penalty. He slotted the penalty. Just uh, yeah, a moment's applause for Boulay Dia, please. We should go back and just uh, listen to what was actually said last season about Boulay Dia, because this thing is no longer bears very little resemblance to what was actually said. We were talking about underrated players and, and young players coming through, and I just thought he had he's a great good. story. And I, think he's, Marseille, he's a I think Marseille have been linked with him. Listen, uh, a quick reminder that you're listening to Le Beau Jeu, Le Beau Jeu, the official League and podcast. You can contact us. Uh, via email, leagueunpodcast at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag Le Bourgeois. And please do uh, rate us on the different podcast 
platforms. You can be nice. You can be very mean if you want. But uh, I advise you not to. Let's just before we move on to Paris Saint-Germain, because I know Robbie's desperate to 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 talk about the Capital Club. Um, we're going to give our déjà vu this week, which is our um, interactive part of the show. We'll give the answer from last week. Uh, interestingly, this was the first time. I didn't know the answer. I was quite embarrassed because I was away last week, but I was listening to the pod. I grew up in Luxembourg, but started my career in France with Metz. I then became a lion before turning into a little prince in the Italian capital. I'm now a pianist alongside a multiple Ballon d'Or winner. Now, just know, in, in, in my defence, what threw me was the lion. I, I, I just suddenly started thinking about Cameroon. I, I, I thought he was a Cameroonian international. I was going through in my head... Cameroonians who played at Mets and it, it Senegalese Met. It was well. a struggle. Yeah, they've had they've had a, they have had a lot of good players, haven't they? I'm thinking like Robert Pirro, Sadio Mane, no Mets, ah, yes. and Patrick also and this Bomber. man, Patrick and Bomber. Yeah, yeah, Cameroon legend at Mets, Maxwell Corne. Awesome. So we had an email from Amin He's Nasir. Elephant. Amin Nasir got the right answer. Congratulations, uh, Amin. None other than the Bosnian maestro Miralem Pjanic, a former Lyon player who will be playing against Lyon for Juventus this Wednesday night. Cecilia Lai also got the right answer. She wrote in on Twitter saying, this one is way too easy. Luxembourg is a very small country. Well, Cecilia, <laughs> you're, you're right, but I didn't know it. There's so, one, one internet search and you, and you could have had that. <laughs> that's cheating. That's harsh on yeah, Luxembourg. That's true. That's true. So... Are we ready for this week's Deja Who? Please, uh, if you do think you know the answer, get in touch using the hashtag Deja Who L1 or, or via email, league1podcast at gmail.com. Just incidentally, I can also think of a second Luxembourg-born Luxembourg international who's played for Olympic Lyonnais. Can anyone... Corentin Martins? Uh, Patrick no. Muller? No. No, he's Swiss. No, no. Martins Pereira. Yes, it? Christopher ah. Martins Pereira. Very good. Very well good. But there are, there are a few. Who headed off to Trois on loan. I think he signed. He left Leon this okay, summer. Okay, Robbie, we're losing, we're losing yep. listeners. Okay, okay let's, get, let, let's get on with the Deja Who. I was born in France, but I don't play for them. I started out in Italy, but Dijon, Monaco and Saint-Étienne are among my former clubs. Having worn yellow and black, I now wear yellow and blue on away trips. There you go. If you know the answer, use the hashtag DejaWhoL1 on Twitter or LeagueArmPodcast at gmail.com. They're getting tougher, aren't they? Our, our, our producer, Ian Holyman, is upping the ante. Now, Paris Saint-Germain, we're in action on Sunday night after uh, a tumultuous week. That defeat against Dortmund and then all sorts of goings-on. Uh, in the days after, but uh, they did respond with a victory. Robbie Thompson uh, is your commentator. Paris Saint-Germain against Bordeaux. Here comes all free header, and Bordeaux have scored. And it's their Korean international, Huang Weijo. The early cross is a good one. Cavani this time, and Edinson Cavani. <laughs> has his 200th goal for Paris Saint-Germain. Di Maria's ball in, it's a good one! And it's Marquinhos. Paris Saint-Germain are back in front. Vazic, with the ball into the mix. Finds Verratti. Oh! What a mistake! And Pablo has scored, and it's 2-2! 
Pablo's header. Bernat on the edge of the area. Might yet fall for Mbappe, who drives it back. Cavani is there, and Marquinhos stabs home his second. Mbappe gets it back for Cavani. Mbappe this time. Fabulous pass. Brilliant play, Edinson Cavani. And Kylian Mbappe has his goal. With Depreville again. The cross in is not a bad one. And it breaks. Oh, and they have got a goal back. Ruben Pardos. That's a red card for Neymar. A second yellow. Well, it's a bad foul. Where do we start here? Paris Saint-Germain with a victory, 13 points clear. Um, there are some positives. Edinson Everything Cavani. looking good. Edinson Cavani got his 200th goal for Paris Saint-Germain in his 298th game. He had a, a wonderful ovation when he got his goal and then a little celebration as well with his teammates and uh, with the supporters after the game. That was good. On the flip side, three goals conceded, having let in four against Amiens. It's now nine in the space of eight days let in. Uh, Thiago Silva went off injured in the first half. Neymar uh, sent off. What, what were your impressions walking away from the park, Robbie? My impressions walking away from the park were I actually ran into a, a good mate of yours, Matt, as I was leaving the Parc des Princes yesterday. We, we Johnny, yeah, all the one, way of, back. one yes, of my exactly. Franco-English neighbours, Johnny. Hello to you. They're very good. Um, I thought you were going to say Andy Scott. But you, you just, no, no, I didn't, I didn't, no, I didn't run I didn't into Andy Scott. Um, uh, impressions. Okay, I thought it was a strange match. Obviously, you know, these things, you can look at these things as individual events or you can link them all together with what's happened over the last week, in which case it becomes more of a, a, a complicated image. The injury to Thiago Silva, if we talk about the match, um, was in direct relation, I think, to the first goal. Because when you're yep. defending a, a set piece and your, your captain and your central defender comes off, Marquinhos, who was in midfield, drops back. It changes who's on who. You bring in an, another midfielder. In. So they concede the was first that, goal. Because Tuchel, Tuchel said Huang that as well. So, yeah, Huang headed in the corner. No one was marking him. He's completely him, unmarked. Is, so, is, is, is that not something the team should have should have addressed? There seemed to be this big sort of fluster and panic about Thiago Silva going off. Uh, but it no, was, nobody it was seemed as to know, the corner was taken. Nobody that, seemed to that, know who uh, was going to... Yeah, but you, yeah. You, you still need to get ready for the corner. Absolutely. And, yeah, but uh, okay. when everyone has their role to play in a corner, okay, people but, say you never make a substitution while defending a corner. So it was a problem that he and went and off we just before the corner, but it was a problem that should have been avoided. Absolutely. And then uh, Paris Saint-Germain fought back, got a couple of goals, including the famous 200th for Edinson Cavani, Marquinhos as well, with a stylish finish that... Uh, uh, could have been considered perhaps a little offside or a passive offside with Tilo Kerrer, who was who had started the move from Di Maria's free kick in an offside position, made a run towards towards goal, but Marquinhos uh, shouldered the ball in, and then the second goal, Sergio Rico, who received a back pass from Marco Verratti. This is in the sixth minute yeah, of Navas, stoppage time at the end Navas of the first was being, half. Was being rested, wasn't he? Navas rested. Um, Sergio Rico, instead of clearing the ball high, just kicked it straight into the legs of Pablo, and, and it went into the back of the net. Um, not to, it doesn't change anything of the fact that uh, that it was a terrible clearance and that it was a, a blooper's goal to concede, but. It's strange that we're we're heading into sixth minute of stoppage time at the end of the first half, isn't it, these days? And with all this stoppage time added on, considering 
there was only three minutes of stoppage time suggested by the fourth official. So, so the first goal was because of an injury. The second goal was because the referee decided PSG to play PSG have conceded nine goals in three games. And yeah, seven of them are against Amiens and Bordeaux. And equally yeah. have conceded the opening goal in three consecutive games now. And that's unlike exactly, PSG. Exactly, and that's, that's very unlike PSG. I think should be made because they're usually so solid and don't have to make their way back into games. And now we're getting. It's almost like they'd all been partying until the early hours of the morning, a couple of days before the match. Did you, did, they, did everyone see those videos? No, of I, a, think, I think. Well, I, let's just stick with the match quickly. Well, okay, finish the hurry match. Up, Rob, so Paris Saint-Germain scored two more about. goals, and then Ruben Pardo uh, scored a fantastic goal into the top corner. His first. Uh, for, for his new side as well after I the January move. 4-3 victory. Could have been 5-3. Icardi scored. It was ruled out correctly for, for an offside. Paris Saint-Germain had 12 shots on target, uh, 25 shots at goal. It was a, a good attacking display and one needed after creating less chances in midweek against Dortmund. Yeah, I, I want to know, just uh, talking about the fallout from, from Dortmund, there were, there were all sorts of... Um, negative headlines that were made. Tom Meunier didn't help matters by saying he didn't know that he was a yellow card away from suspension. Um, we know that Neymar criticised the club for not playing him more before the game. He's now got sent off and is going to lack playing time ahead of, ahead of the second leg because he'll get a one or possibly two match ban. Um, and, and second there, yellow and, card. It and wasn't there was straight red. It was two yellows. No, but for the Neymar, so. I've, I've been reading up about it, and the disciplinary commission can decide on a two-game ban depending mm. on his past uh, discrepancies. And the actual second yellow card, so we'll we'll wait and see. Probably only it will be probably only one, um, and and the party. The, the the question I want to ask because these videos popped up of uh, the likes of Cavani, Icardi, Di Maria was Neymar there as well. Yeah, everyone was there. Yeah. Mbappe was there. No, it was a joint party. It was joint like party. Icardi, so there were three birthdays. They were all like with their tops off, waving their you know having a good time as as young footballers do. Why though? Why does this all, all, all come out? I haven't mentioned Kim Pembe's brother also on social media. At top, I, I, you know, I, I, I watch the English, I follow the English clubs because I'm English quite a lot. This doesn't happen in England. This, now, is this because the players are being educated or drilled on use of social media? Or is this because they're going to places where nobody, they know nobody's going to be it's, filming them and putting, and putting things out? Didn't I read that at Neymar's party, phones were banned, you had to hand them in? Which is yeah. a very good idea. Because Absolutely. It's not, it's it's not like a at a Madonna idea. concert, you weren't allowed to film Madonna's concert or Jack White's concert, so why should you be allowed to film because that party? Because they, you know, they all do this, Robbie, and I, and I understand Absolutely. that 25-year-olds or whatever want to go out and, and let off a bit of steam, and there's no problem for, uh, as far as I'm concerned. There is a problem, however, if you're a Paris Saint-Germain fan, watching that and if Tuchel was was booed before the game if there were banners saying you guys are uh, uh, are nothing compared to the likes of what was it Rai and Ginola and what you know there was a big banner they they don't like the way these players are behaving at the moment and for me that that is about it's it's about the club it goes it goes higher up and seeing Thomas Tuchel in the last few press conferences looking like looking like a, a broken man this is a very charismatic man and he is looking like the carpet is being pulled away from under his feet and he's, he's turned into a bit of a gibbering wreck like Unai Emery in his second season. And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying everything's awful. PSG are capable of going through against Dortmund. They're capable well, uh, hang on, of hang salvaging... On. What, are you, what are we talking about here, Matt? Are we talking about a party in midweek? Are we talking about the Champions League last 16? Are we talking about the defence against Amiens? I'm and... talking about all the negativity okay. and the social media and why does it happen? Mix everything Robbie, up. Why does it happen every season to Paris Saint-Germain? It doesn't happen elsewhere. Because you've had a remontada three years ago and last season you give Manchester United a victory. So no matter what happens, and I said this before the game, 
against Dortmund on Tuesday night, no matter what the result in the first leg, there's going to be a nervous second leg and Paris Saint-Germain just have to go through it. Paris Saint-Germain have to try and get through this second leg any which way you can because everyone, not just in France, everyone in all of Europe knows that Paris Saint-Germain over the last three seasons haven't got past this stage of the Champions League and that all the pressure is on, that everyone that no longer respects the achievements in Ligue 1, in the Coupe de France, in the Coupe de la Ligue, where Paris Saint-Germain is still involved in all those competitions, as you rightly said, Matt, 13 points clear. If there's no value in any of that, then there is immense pressure on this side and these players to get through these two matches and the coach as well against, I think, did we play someone on Tuesday night or not? This is another thing that seems to but have Robbie, just uh, completely been swept under the table. It's a pressure table. that seems I to be having a I think we played a very impact. good... Of course it has a negative impact. Pressure... Pressure, top this players, kind of pressure. Top players are capable of raising They enjoy positive pressure. In top, in top. But of course, you think they haven't been affected by losing 6-1 at Barcelona or by losing 3-1. to the squad. What, I mean, Neymar was playing for Barcelona that night. What, what have you made of Neymar? And Neymar doesn't play Bobby, on his own, I, Matt. There are 20 other players. Yeah, I want yeah, to ask a question about Neymar. What did he make of his performance on Sunday and against Dortmund last Tuesday? Uh... This is a player that's just coming back from from four yes, most expensive player in world football. Yeah. Three games out, yeah, and who said that he revealed actually in post match against Dortmund that he had a fractured rib, which mm. is why he didn't play. I think in for last night, Neymar looked better than on Tuesday night, and I think there's no doubt that Paris Saint Germain didn't play Neymar, didn't play Marquinhos, didn't play Thiago Silva, kept them all for the first leg because. The medical staff and the coach are looking at this as a tie over two matches. And the fact, and you're right to say now Neymar's been sent off, could miss two games. That is problematic for someone who's lacking rhythm. He's possibly going to go into the return leg against Dortmund. And I do respect having your played view, just two matches. You did have the worst mark from, from the L'Equipe journalist of, of any outfield player for PSG. But against Dortmund? No, last night against uh, Bordeaux. Last night, okay. And... Then, uh, what was I saying? His red card. Oh, no. So, these players came back for the first game. Yeah, or red card. Obviously, you get a low mark in Lekip. I think it's automatic, isn't it? So, these players come back for the first leg with the idea that you get the best result you can. There was no Juan Bernat as well. Uh, it's his birthday, back. by the way, on March the 1st. Juan Bernat. Uh, yeah, yeah, they, oh, he's the next one. Oh, I can't wait for The thing is, videos. you have to look. We can talk, and you can all be as critical as you like after the return leg if Paris Saint-Germain don't go through again. But the plan was to stay in the contest against a very good Dortmund side after the first leg. Everyone thinks Paris should have beaten Dortmund 3-0 at, at Signal Le Duna Robbie, Park. And that's lucky. just surreal. Yeah, I think, they were I think Paris Saint-Germain will go through. 2-1, uh, yeah, they got away with a decent well, there result. there you go. But Dave, yeah, they, you have to understand. Like, PSG, they only really on attacked in the last 20 minutes of that game and they could have scored three goals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And that's... Mm something that I think is encouraging. That's the only source of encouragement ahead of the second yeah, leg. For me, but it's the, the very fact that they similar. had to. We've seen Thiago Silva do this in every big European game over the last few years, starting with the Remontada game. He just goes deeper and deeper. He looks nervous. Marquinhos gets played alongside him to try and cover for him. And that just leaves space elsewhere. Leave Ferrati trying to do too much. Gay, unfortunately, doesn't look to be the player that I thought he was. And Holland destroyed them. So... I mean, it's, for me, if Thiago Silva wants a new contract, you play like that in the second leg. If you are fit, you're not going to get one, are you? No, uh, Thomas Tuchel said he's worried about um, Thiago Silva. He's got a muscular injury, according yeah. to according to the coach. 
No, that could be if that's uh, three weeks on the on the sidelines. If he's if he's got a hamstring tear, then it's at least five weeks. So so Thiago so, Silva is out. In so Tongi Kwasi to to win it for PSG at the park against. Well, not Dortmund. he scored more goals than Thiago Silva this season. Three mm. goals in the first team for Tongi Kwasi. For I, me, I, it's a little bit similar to what Paris Saint Germain did against Liverpool, who went on to win the Champions League. Of course, struggled in the match away, lost three two in the first leg of the group stage. We're all over Liverpool in the second leg, a 2-1 victory. If that same thing happens again, Real Madrid 3-0 at the Parc des Princes before struggling and still staying in the tie, getting a draw at Bernabeu. No, I, feel, I feel sorry for Thomas Tuchel though, Rob, because he's dealing with this lopsided squad and the, the problems in areas that are apparent to any football observer in central midfield and central defence mm. just haven't been addressed with the signings that they've made. But everyone said, Dave, at the start of this year that Paris Saint-Germain looked much better. They've got Idrissa Garnagay, got Ander Herrera, got Pablo Sarabia, these players that can step in, that can, that can play this midfield, that are team players. Mauro Icardi, is who's, who's just there to, for finishing. Is he allowed to take Mbappe off since the... Uh since Mbappe kicked up a fuss because it, it seems to me that Mbappe can be you know he's, 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 he's not played particularly well but he plays the 90 minutes now. is that it, it, a serious of, question Matt it, is Thomas I, Tuchel I, I allowed wonder, to take off a player in I a wonder if Thomas Tuchel's allowed to, to do what he wants with Neymar and Mbappe yeah I wonder Okay. Well, I that's just me. Yeah. just me. Yeah, very good. Well, it's not just me actually. It's quite a lot of people wondering that. So you, you, <laughs> I'd, I'd leave Mbappe on even if he's not having a good game. Uh, oh, do something out of nothing. Uh, I, him, him and Neymar did that in Dortmund, having both played poorly. Mm. That, that's how they got all their chances. Yeah. Interesting. But Herrera will probably get his chance this week, no? And I think he could do the team good. He hasn't played much for. No, for he hasn't PSG, played much. But... He's had a couple of injury problems. But I mean, his well, it depends on your profile. But is he a similar player to Idrissa Gay? He is, but he's got that bite and that um, sort of presence that that perhaps Gay doesn't in terms of telling other players what to do. And I think he could be important on. We'll, yeah, we'll have a chance to talk more because we, we've got this three-week break, haven't we, between the two legs, which is always a bit unfortunate, I think. But um, we'll have a clearer picture in a couple of weeks as to who will be available. Um, we know that Verratti and, and Mernier won't be available, but obviously still. Still a lot of quality to call upon and they do have that cushion at the top of the table, not only uh, because because Paris Saint-Germain won, but also because Marseille lost something that hadn't happened in Ligue 1 since late October. And uh, their fans who have been uh, streaming into the velodrome, we've had big, big crowds in recent weeks. It was the, uh, the same again this weekend. Uh, they were very optimistic, Marseille versus Nantes, but it didn't go their way as Ian Holyman saw for us. On his all alone. And Anthony Limpombe has put Nantes in front. Bunasa, haven't seen a lot of him going forward. Here's Cameron. And now Morgan Sanson, lovely strike! Oh, lovely goal! Beautiful goal from Morgan Sanson. So Kalabamba comes forward and curls it in. Where did that come from? And Mondonda clearly thought it was going wide. And it was going in off the far post. Girotta. Space here on the left-hand side for Kanabamba. And Mondonda has spilled it, and it's in. It's off Alvaro Gonzalez. Marseille 1, Nantes 3. Marseille have been probably not that convincing this calendar year, but they've been finding ways of, uh, of winning games. Um, they had their main man, Dimitri Payet, fit and uh, available against Nantes, but... Uh, but it didn't. Uh, it didn't happen for them. Andre Villas-Boas said it was a, a serious setback. Um, 
but they do have that cushion on French television. They were saying that Marseille have grilled a joker. They call it a mattress here, don't they? They, they, have, they, a they have a nice mattress. They do have a mattress, but they've grilled. It's very important to have a nice mattress. They've, they've grilled a joker, and you can't grill. You can't grill too many jokers. It's what the French like to say. They've got these joker cards. It means they can afford to lose a couple of games. But uh, how how yeah, how you've worried? Got a, you've got one up your one up your sleeve. Yeah, just. Before I ask how worried you should be about Marseille, or we should be about Marseille, not, um, not deserve praise. They've been through a bit of a, a barren spell, but uh, Kadabamba with his first league on goal, an absolutely brilliant strike, uh, a curling shot past Mondonda. Limbombe's been called back from, from loan, the Belgian international. He popped up with, uh, with a good goal as well early on, and uh, yeah, a 3-1 win for them. And, and they could soon be back in the, uh, in the European fight. I've no doubt it was a very big game for, for Nantes because they've been in almost Saint-Étienne-like form in, in recent weeks. They've really slipped off the, uh, mm. off the mark after a promising start, much like Saint-Étienne. And I can really imagine that um, Christian Gorkouf had just about had enough of their subpar performances considering they do have talented players, talented youngsters like Imran Loser and like Abdul Kader Bamba who really stepped up to the plate on, on Saturday. He's in a, a bit of He's a, purple, a good player. Good purple player. patch yeah. as well. Yeah, good player. Like Mo- Moses, Moses Simon as well. As They've well. got quite a few no, of these no, little technical, players. technical mm. players. And But perhaps the most important is that Nicola Palwa is back. Yes? Well, you, He's yeah, been out for, for a long mm. time. Palwa's back and the, the defence. Because no matter what you say about great technical players, and this has been said about bigger clubs than Nantes as well, you need players that just scare the life out of the opposition. Nicola Palwa is that player. Stefan Ruffier is another. As well, yeah. <laughs> who's, who's, yeah, when, when he comes flying out. But, yeah. No, no, Palwa back is a big boost yeah. for them. Yeah. Was it a case, though, um, for Marseille, who, by the way, are now only eight points clear of, uh, of Rennes after Rennes' last gasp victory over, over Nîmes? Thanks nine, to two. nine points ahead of Lille, then. And nine points ahead Maybe of Lille. a little bit more dangerous. Yeah, Lille and Rennes both, both victorious. Lille beating... Uh, Toulouse by three goals to nil, a couple of Loic Remy strikes, and Bagnon got a couple for, for Rennes. But yeah, going back to Marseille, they're two big guns, Payet and, uh, and Mondonda, for once disappointed. Mondonda's had a pretty good season, but he was uh, certainly at fault for the third goal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if, if Marseille have their two top players off colour, um, they're going to struggle, aren't they? I don't think Saturday's result came as a a big surprise it's more how have they managed to keep this unbeaten run going while yeah, playing so games, moderately yeah. um, well you talk about two big guns they've got their third big gun who's stepping up his recovery from an ankle injury that's Florian Tovan and I think he is the player that is going to help them secure that second place I don't think we'll see the best of him until after the international break in late March but according to everyone he's getting very close to a playing return Vilas Boas needs that timely boost at this stage of the season and someone else that he can turn to for inspiration going forward. Quite fitting, really, that this was actually the first Liga match that Alvaro Gonzalez has lost since arriving at Marseille. And, well, he scored the own goal that made it 3-1. Yes, well, Marseille, if they can qualify for the Champions League, we're going to have to see sort of what kind of team they can put together. Can they keep Andre Villas-Boas, who's made it pretty clear he's a little bit... Um, unsettled by the goings-on behind the scenes and the fact that there may not be any investment, there'll be sales. Marseille are, are 90 million euros in debt and there is, particularly after the Manchester City penalty, there is some concern that Marseille um, could be in trouble with, uh, with, with UEFA. I mean, they're going to have to be very, very clever, aren't they, in the, in the transfer market to, to have a competitive team if they make next season's Champions League. 
Well, I, I, I don't think Frank McCourt owns Uber Eats, so they should be all right, because that was the problem with City, wasn't it? Their sponsorship... Uh, Came from their owner. Come, yeah, yes, but ultimately, if you've, if you've got debts of 90 million euros, you could be uh, in breach of financial fair play. Yeah, I mean, you could, but I, well, Marseille, debt or, or not, they've got a, a big summer coming up because uh, questions that Andre Villas-Boas has put on the table about whether he's going to have any considerable, well, whether he's going to have financial backing at all, let alone considerable financial backing to improve his squad should they qualify they just for need the to, They League. need to get a top coach to stay for a long time. We've seen Bielsa, mm-hmm. we've seen Gerrits, mm-hmm. it's a season or two and then it's it. Garcia Deschamps. They had, uh, uh, Garcia. They had uh, <laughs> well, he's at another big yeah. club now. Dimitri Payet a couple of weeks ago came out in that press conference, didn't he, and say, "Look, we have to. I have to consider my future. If you qualify, what's the point of qualifying for the Champions League if you sell all your yeah. best players?" And then, uh, and so every player asks the question if they want to be here just to lose every match of the Champions League, which I think they've done recently. And they need to yeah, be they able. Did. The last time that they were in it, they lost every game. Yeah. In 2013, 2014. They need the to stage. be able to poach good good players again from from Ligue 1, like you know, like Leon have done over the past few years. The mm. likes of Bamba. Okay, he hasn't shown over a full season that he's a player capable no, they, of playing those at that players level. Need their but chance, that sort of player yeah. is but that Valentin Rangier exactly that, that Marseille can be yeah. looking at. They've already started moving away from their initial model, which was signing experienced players on very high wages. That yeah. first transfer window was the one that brought Payet back in. Evra joined, and then you had the likes of Luis Gustavo and Rami Strootman's wages that are still a big yeah. problem mm-hmm. for the club. Whereas Signing someone like Gonzalez or Benedetto, if you want an experienced player who's a bit cheaper, probably doesn't cost as much in wages, then that's got to be the way to go, allied with some very good young players, the sort of Rongier, Sanson types. You get in for 10 to 15 million and then they get to play in the upper echelons of Ligue 1, potentially in the Champions League. And then when you do come around to the point where you want to sell them, you'll make a big profit. There's been all sorts of talk in the, in the press. There was quite a lot recently about how Marseille turned down uh, Firmino and more recently, it's, it's Haaland. I think one of, one of their former recruiters said that he Love he suggested stories. it. To, he said, I've got this great Norwegian striker. And Rudy Garcia said, no, thank you. But, you know, there, there are always stories like this. And Haaland's been linked with every club in Europe, hasn't he? Yeah. Who turned him down at some point. It's, Marseille do have a history of turning down good players. Though. That, that is <laughs> every club does. Every club does. Listen, yeah, of course, of course. Before we uh, go on a bon voyage and look ahead to, to next weekend, just a very quick word about Monaco, who were... Uh, uh, held to a 1-1 draw, or you could say they picked up a good point away to Dijon, uh, Maripan getting uh, an equaliser for them. We've got our, our faithful listener, Amir Khan, who wants to know what we make of Robert Marino so far. Um, I heard Dave last week reiterating his belief that Monaco are going to finish top three. I'll do it again if you want. Ah, Dave, you're a brave man. You're a brave man. So even after this point at Dijon... You're running out of games, Dave. Monaco running out of games. Well, what do you think of, uh, of Marino so far? Too early to judge still. But um, I, I think his change in tactics was forced on him with Bielsen Martin's suspension. Uh, they've looked better since Slimani came in. Even though Slimani missed some sitters, it was his header that set up the Maripan goal. And I think having that extra physical power in the lineup has made a big difference. You know, you're just going to have to judge him not really at the end of this season. I mean, if he gets them into the top three, then he'll have done a really good job. It would have been the right decision to have replaced him. But see how he goes with a, a full summer to work with yeah, the team. Yeah, five, five points behind. I know patience Ren. isn't uh, yeah, something so you see very often in football. I was just going to say that, no, Dave. Dave you, might, you might be right for once with this. Armel? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Of, of Moreno? Yeah. Well, it's quite difficult to, to tell right now because Monaco is such a rebuilding job. I'm not, I'm not certain I've seen too much of a tactical difference in the way Monaco play 
since he's taken over there. Of course, those really promising first results, including that draw at the Parc des Princes. But um, I think it's a question of time, definitely. What do you think about um, Wales-France and, and the Wales coach? Is he doing a good job? Well, I think... you've watched plenty of rugby, haven't you, in the last... Uh... <laughs> sorry, no. sorry. He needs more time as well. <laughs> he needs more time, exactly, yeah. We'll see after the, uh, the South Coast derby at the start of March when Nice hosts Monaco. That'll be an important one for, for Monaco's well, season. Well, this could be... Uh could be a big year for for, for France with uh, do we call them Les Bleus in the rugby no we don't do that oh, yeah. Les Bleus yeah. perhaps on the for, the, for the Grand Chelem with the Paris Saint-Germain almost certain now to come back and beat Dortmund and, and, and win the Champions League and of course Didier Deschamps side winning the Euro so you it's know, not sti- easy to win the Champions League man well I think Paris Saint-Germain are doing a good job of showing that Thank you no, very no one's much. mentioned the five semi-finals that Paris Saint-Germain made in Europe in the 90s. That's what people always say exactly. to the PSG fans mm. when uh, you get that Zlatan mm. quote about there being no history before mm. he arrived. They've got to get Champions to a semi-final eventually. Yeah. Yeah. They had, they had we have to get team. Paris Saint-Germain have to get through this last 16 and we all knew it was going to be very, very tough. It's proving the case and it will be right to the final whistle. Thank you, Robbie. Uh, bon voyage time. Let's have a look ahead to next weekend's fixtures. Well, for me, Matt, I'm going to go to Stade de Costière for Nîmes against Marseille because both of these clubs, having been on good runs, had setbacks in round 26. And I haven't seen Nolan Roux play live for a long time. He scored the fastest goal of the season against Rennes after 34 seconds. The man who hated football, Nolan Roux. That's Rue. right, yeah. He, was, uh, he gave a big interview <laughs> so, with, another uh, one. with L'Equipe newspaper this weekend saying he doesn't like football and that, that always uh, sets off some, um, some debate. And I've just realised I haven't done my, my coup de gueule. Ah, we'll have to keep that for next week. Never mind, never mind. Um, Is good it about stuff. footballers I, that don't like football? No, it's about... I, no, I'm not going to do it's it. It's a bit no. weird when you've got a dad who played football. Exactly, and I think I think they're playing a little bit with with words because mm. you, you don't go all the way through playing football if you really just think it was a job. Obviously, you love football. Maybe there are things about the modern game you don't yeah, you don't like. You might not sit down and watch all the other matches. Exactly, but yeah. obviously, you yeah. love football. There's no there's mm. no question. Mm, I don't know. Absolutely. You don't what, like football, man? If you if I watch too much of Nolan Rue, I'll soon go off football. <laughs> That's a bit harsh. He's he's been all right, Nolan. But we'll I remember when he was a DVD boy. Highlights. When he was a boy at Brest, he he was linked with Liverpool, and uh, he looked to be the part. Maybe, Liverpool may, turned him down. Maybe the fact he doesn't have that kind of passion has, has sort of hampered his career because he is talented. I don't know. Absolutely, and his dad was was a was a solid player as well. I'm going to Robbie. I'm going to go to Lyon because uh, it's uh, it's a great city, and there are a couple of great great matches coming up this weekend. Juventus on Wednesday night, and then the big one, Saint Etienne next Sunday. And uh, I'm I'm only half joking, of course, because uh, Lyon Saint Etienne is huge. It's arguably no, I wouldn't say arguably. It's definitely a game that Lyon have got a better chance of uh, of winning. Um, but you never know. You never know. Great, uh, great couple of matches, and perhaps you know this very difficult season for Leon could could suddenly be transformed because you know they're still in three competitions and uh, and they have got some talent. I'll go with you, Matt, to Leon Saint Etienne. I'm going to stay there as well a few days because I'll be there for the cup Fair action, enough, the cup semi final. Uh, had, um, had enough of PSG for. A- it depends if it's no, no, the next day. Juan Bernat's birthday party on Sunday. <laughs> well, good good news for me. Um, no Six Nations this weekend, Matt. As you probably, ah. I, I thought you would have pointed out. But anyway, I think I'll, I'll I'll stay around here. I'll go to PSG Dijon because Dijon, I think, are looking a better team right now than they were when they beat PSG 
in the uh, reverse fixture back Better than in when they lost 6-1 in the cup two weeks ago then. I mean, they didn't PSG. take the cup seriously, did they? And it'll be a big game for, for PSG <laughs> as well without their uh, bearded maestro sitting out suspended. So uh, I think that'll be an interesting Super promoting's not banned, is he? <laughs> well, there should be a few more forward passes in, in that one than, uh, than there was in Cardiff at the weekend. And uh, it's not a great joke to, to finish, really, is it? Awful. But, no. but I, do hope, I do hope everybody has, uh, has enjoyed... Le Bourgeois. Nice this try, week. though, Matt. Well, oh, yeah. good, Dave. Like it. Yeah. Nice try. Oh, yeah, I got Dave's, it. Dave's jokes were good <laughs> over the past two weeks. <laughs> All right. So before people convert to another podcast, let's uh, let's wrap this one. Let's wrap this one up. Thanks a lot um, from me, Matt Spiro, David Cross, and Robbie Thompson, and Armel Tang. It's time to say au revoir et à bientôt. We'll see you again next time. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye. Go!